Welcome to Social Distance Warriors. Um, it's a podcast. It's apparently about a pandemic or something. Um, the date is June 22nd in the year 2022. My name is Tom. I'm not an expert. What's up? Hi, I'm Rat. I'm also not an expert on the COVID pandemic, um, and I'm recording from a new location because I moved to a new apartment. That's why the audio sounds bad. <laughs> How did the uh, move go? Um, it's still happening in some ways, but um, the actual moving day itself was a lot less stressful than I had been anticipating. I hired movers, and I've never had movers before, and it's amazing uh, when there are people dedicated who you pay to only think about the logistics of moving, <laughs> how nice that, that is. It was very nice. Yeah, yeah. I have had that experience as well where I have um, I have moved without movers and moved with movers. And I think that, you know, as long as I'm able to afford movers in the future, that's probably the way I'm going to go because it really changes the whole game. Yeah, um, I had and uh, my housemate uh, had some heavy furniture items as well as mattresses that without movers would have been a real pain to move or honestly I probably would have like had to buy new ones a new mattress so this at least uh was kind of like a investment in not having to do that that's good how is the new location um it's all right um I do not know how soundproof everything is so uh I, I mean I do have to be talkative this is a podcast but know that I am uh, adjusting to it being much more likely that um, I'm able to be heard and I don't even know if neighbors can hear me. That's even a whole other thing. So I'm feeling very self-conscious, but it's a nice location, a a nice um, area that I'm happy to kind of through the summer get to know. Would you say that you are closer or further away from the nearest train than you were before? Unfortunately, I I am farther. (laughs) I no longer have the immediately in in front of the house train that shakes the house every couple hours when it goes by. I'm much, much farther from trains. Much closer. What am I closer to? Rabbits. (laughs) Closer to rabbits. (laughs) Well, rabbits move, so... They do move, but they aren't. They don't shake the house, and they don't quite have the same substance as trains. Yeah, trains also move, I suppose. Now that I think of it, <laughs> I had a distressing train experience recently. Yeah, you don't have to talk about it, but you can. <laughs> well, I introduced it to talk about it, so <laughs> so it seems strange to back out now. But um, I was on a train home from work, and it didn't let me off at my stop. It stopped at my stop, and the doors did not open. And me and all the other people who usually get off at that stop were just kind of bewildered. And then the doors never opened, and then the train started moving again. And we were like, uh, what are we going to do now? Because the next stop is a few minutes away, and it's not like some, it's not an easily walkable distance away from the stop where we wanted to be. So then it let us off at the other stop, and um, it was only then that we were able to – we were released from the train – from from its imprisonment. Uh, and then we were able to find the conductor on, who was standing on the train platform near another train car that had apparently not malfunctioned. So the conductor didn't even know that, that there had been an issue in one of the train cars. And we were like, hey, what gives? Why couldn't we get off the train? And she's like, I don't know. And we're like, well, what, what can we do about it? And she's like, I don't know. We were like, is there another train going the other way so you can get back to the stop we want to be at? She's like, eh, like in 40 minutes maybe? Wow. So yeah, it, it, was a, um, it was a real bummer. It was a real inconvenience. 
Luckily, some nice lady who had a car and noticed all of us in distress offered to give us a lift back to the stop where we're supposed to be at, which was like a you know 12 minute drive or whatever. So it's probably quite a bit out of our way. Has this experience elevated your opinion of cars or devalued your opinion of trains in any way? I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was a one-off mishap. So I'm not worried that it's going to become a regular thing. Uh, Yeah, I don't hold it against trains, but I do feel like in that one instance, I was let down. Yeah, I've been let down by many trains. I feel like generally I'm willing to be let down by trains quite a bit. One of the interesting aspects of it was like, it wasn't just me who was affected. So it was a bunch of other people and we all were kind of in the same I feel like it's confusing if I say in the same boat because that's a different mode of transportation. But we were all in the same train, so to speak. I don't know. It's it's interesting because we all have to kind of talk to each other like, what's going on? What are we going to do? Do you want to share a lift back to the other station or whatever? And it's the kind of interaction that I don't tend to have that much anymore post-pandemic. Um, and, you know, some of us are masked and other people are not masked. And usually I'm content to sit on my train wearing my mask knowing that, you know, I'm part of the like 5% of people on the train who are bothering to wear a mask still at this stage. And I'm not, I don't have to interact with the other people on the train. So it's so I don't have to directly confront their masklessness. Whereas in this case, I had to interact with strangers a little bit more and be like, here I am with my mask and here you are without yours. And what does that mean for us? Yeah, I guess that's an unusual benefit of of your experience. Is it? (laughs) Do you think you'll ever, um, talk to these people who you now uh, shared an experience with uh, going forward? Uh, no, probably not. Yeah, you're not looking to, I guess, make make train friends? No, you know, as much as I feel like, I don't know, it would be nice to have someone on the train that I know so that, like, when I get on the morning, I can be like, oh, look, there's Sven, my train friend. We can sit together and, and chat. Um, but I, I, I have never had train friends. Um, and I, I think I'm going to be fine without them since I only take the train, you know, once or twice a week. Yeah. I guess like the jarring experience there is that like you had your expected sort of pattern disrupted. But the thing I love about trains and public transit sort of generally is that I am not the one driving and that it can be so passive an experience. I don't have to talk to people. I don't have to think about other people in as much as like, you know, I'm not getting in other people's way and they're not getting in my way. I can be around people, but I don't have to be thinking about where we are all going together. Yeah, that, that is a nice part of being on the train. So other than your other than your move, how's it going? Um, let's see. Um, I did take some notes. I did have a few um, past action items that I had done that were not our current action items that I caught up on. Oh, great. That, that I, I guess I, I can steer us to. In, in the past, I don't know when, uh, you had recommended listening to an album by That They Might Be Giants, and I didn't do that. But then I did that. Oh. Um, hmm. What album? It was uh, Flood, and I realized that I had heard a fair number of the songs on it before because they're kind of like, I don't know, among nerds, (laughs) popular music. Mm. I was particularly charmed, I guess, that it's, I think, an older kind of album thing to do 
the first song on Flood was like an introduction to the album, um, which I don't I don't think happens quite as much anymore. Um, but I, Birdhouse in Your Soul. I don't soul think it's really ever been common. Was uh, the song I was like, oh, I know that song, and I like that song. Yeah, a couple of the songs were featured on the cartoon Tiny Toon Adventures at one point. Well, that's not where I heard it. Uh, I heard it on uh, Pushing Daisies. Oh, huh. I don't remember that being on Pushing Daisies, but I believe you that it was. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that is good. Did you enjoy the album overall? Yeah, yeah. I listened to it while I was um, my last days at my school job, which is now finished for the summer, and... Because there were no students and no teachers, I could kind of like play music <laughs> in a way that was very nice. So a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the main guys in the Maybe Giants was very badly injured in a car accident. Mm. And this was right after they had played their first show since the pandemic had begun. So their first show since, you know, 2020 or possibly even 2019, I'm not sure. So this was this was very upsetting, but he's apparently doing fine. So yeah, not a great time for touring shows. I was originally planning to see Welcome to Night Vale. I guess tomorrow, a live show, and as it was in 2020 when I was also planning to see a live Welcome to Night Vale show, someone on the cast got COVID. It was canceled for COVID reasons. Oh, so. Not happening. Mm, yeah, that is that is disappointing. I went to a I went to a musical. Nice. Which musical? Um, are you familiar with the musical 1776? Only only by uh, people who have watched it have told me about it. Uh, yeah. So I primarily knew it through the movie version of it, which is uh, a favorite of mine and one that I often watch on the Fourth of July. Not every year, but most years. And there is a new revival of it that is currently in the Boston area as kind of like a pre-Broadway run. It's transferring to Broadway in October, and then it's going to be there for a few months, and then it's going to go on a national tour. So it was very good. So n- normally most of the roles in the play, 1776, which is about the uh, you know the Continental Congress and the, the writing and signing of the Declaration of Independence, most of the roles in that are, are men with only, I think, two female roles of any note in it. But in this version of it, all of the roles were played by women and non-binary people, so it was uh, there were there were no men in the cast. Yeah, that's I guess a, a new way to do it, uh, and and you enjoyed the production. Oh yeah, I liked it so much that I saw it twice. Nice. Because <laughs> after I saw it for the first time, I knew like oh my parents should really see this because my mother and father are both fans of history and fans of that musical in particular. So I thought they would both very much enjoy it. So as a sort of Father's Day celebration, not literally on Father's Day, it was yesterday, which was a Tuesday uh, and not Father's Day, we uh, we went and saw it for a second time and I brought them with me. Good times. Good times were had by all. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm a little low energy this recording. So <laughs> I, <laughs> Why might that be? I don't know where you're, where you're at, but that's where I'm at. I will say moving bad, don't ever do it. There, there is an element of just sort of existential, all my routines are disrupted, so there is a tiredness <laughs> that is there. I do think also, pandemic-wise, there is a just like, w- what are we doing right now <laughs> that is also a level of like perpetual kind of steering into the future tiredness. Mm. How are you feeling about the pandemic 
and the way things are going right now. I have a tidbit. I have a tidbit that is good news. And the good news is that I believe this past week, it's now possible for under five-year-olds to start getting the vaccine for COVID, which I know because my sister has, at this point, one child who is under five. My other two nieces, those who weren't five, turned five in during the pandemic. But one of my nieces was still unvaccinated, too, too young to get the vaccine and it was kind of like a very delayed and seemed to like lose energy approval process that Mm. has been you know really difficult if parents or you know people who live with any of the many many people (laughs) who are under five years old so that's like a good news a good thing Mm. it's like one little kind of check mark in a way that I guess it's, forgive me here, like, the only, like, reference here is is a, like, Harry Potter quote of, like, oh, Dumbledore will only really be gone from the school when there are no one else here loyal to him. It's, like, COVID will only really be gone (laughs) when, like, we don't talk about it anymore. And it's not factually true, but it very much feels socially true of, like, if there ever was any leniency for, hey, society, go easy on me for student loans, article deadlines, or like expectations with people, it's a pandemic. It's not an acceptable justification, mm. even though it is still a pandemic. And what do you do with that? Because uh, that that's where we are at. It, it really feels like I, I just don't see like people knowing how to talk about pandemic in a like it will come up but in a way that it's like not for conversation Hmm. i'm not sure i know what you mean by that i also (laughs) i'm not sure if i know what i mean by that um the other like comparison that i i think is like forefront for me is like It's kind of the same of, I don't know how, like, when I'm at my job, there are things that are considered appropriate to talk about. And it's like, I could talk about things related to being trans and my transition, but there's not really, like, language for it. And I feel similarly with the pandemic. It's like, there's, you can talk about, like, oh, you know, a family member is sick with COVID, a teacher is out with COVID, or someone passed away. But you can't kind of talk about what are we doing to prepare or like what are you more than just those like very basic things. Mm. There's not like a language the same way there is of like, oh, if someone says that they're going to attend a wedding, you have all these follow up questions or, you know, like someone in their family is having a baby. You have all like these follow up questions. It's appropriate for conversation hmm. yeah. with coworkers in a way that like it just doesn't feel like it necessarily is. Yeah, that kind of tracks. I think um, I feel like people are very bad with with dealing with the fact that this pandemic is still a part of our lives, even if it's not like a totalizing part of our lives anymore. And I think they're kind of over it and don't they resent it being brought up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that's going to continue to change as these what I hopefully refer to as the later stages of the pandemic um, continue to drag on and on and on. What I will say is personally, I'm feeling a little better about the way things are going with the pandemic just because cases have, the U.S. case count has been pretty flat 
throughout, you know, it, it, it rose from March into May and then about midway through May, it started to flatten and then kind of stayed flat until, uh, I don't know, maybe like a, a couple of weeks ago, it started becoming clear that it was, it was dropping a little bit again in nationally. And in Massachusetts, the, the, the drop was a little, started a little earlier and has continued and has been a little bit more of a precipitous drop. Um, if that's the right word, I don't know if precipitous is the correct word. It just sounded right in the moment. But yeah, like I'm, I'm looking right now at the daily average case counts uh, in, in Massachusetts where on, on, on May 18th, they were uh, 4,500 and now they're 1,600, which is, that's still way too many <laughs> for my liking, but it's indicative of a positive trend, which while, while it's trending that way, I'm happy. Might start trending the other way, <laughs> in which case I'll stop being happy. But for now, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying watching watching the number go down. All right. Yeah. Don't, don't let me take the happiness of a uh, number going down from you. <laughs> I am purely on vibes, so it's it's nice to sort of have that check in of like what cases are doing as well. Well, I don't I don't know what things are like in. Uh, I just I just switched over to to looking at Pennsylvania. Oh, I don't. I mean, you can tell me. But <laughs> they are also dropping. It's a, a little bit less of a sharp drop, Massachusetts, but it's a sharper drop than the national average. And also, the numbers are choppier because I think that they are reported less consistently than Massachusetts. So, like, whereas Massachusetts has like a, more of a gentle curve, the Pennsylvania just appears a little bit more st- like st- like a staggering line. But um, the the gen- the general trend seems to be similar. Is what I'll say. So, good news, I suppose. Um, how are you feeling about masks these days? Same. <laughs> I mean, uh, for me, uh, c- continuing to wear masks in, uh, again, uh, it's like um, the school year ended without masking, though briefly f- there was like 10 days when they were like, okay, we're going to try and do that so we can have prom and or graduation have less cases but places I thought would be easy to get masks like uh for moving I was at Home Depot and thought oh I'll pick up some masks while I'm here just did not have any N95 masks available the way at one time they did just kind of purely hardware stuff um so yeah (laughs) consistent but I think fondly to the last travel uh, I took on a train that was not the last time I was on a train, but the last time I traveled on a train uh, where they still had like their mask mandate. Mm. The Welcome to Night Vale show that has since been canceled was going to be kind of like the first we have a masking policy <laughs> event that indoor event that I was going to be attending for a while, you know, since many, many places kind of have made it like individual policy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean I mentioned going to a um going to 1776 and that had a masking policy where you had to wear a mask indoors as well as, you know, I I know I think Broadway has just announced that that Broadway venues are no longer going to be requiring masks starting quite soon, which is not a good move in my opinion. I don't know. I, I don't think it is. But I will I will say that um unlike you, I think I have actually started to get a little bit more relaxed about masks kind of to my own surprise. That may be a, like a a controversial and shocking thing to hear from me, I don't know, <laughs> because among the people I know, I I tend to be known as the stickler who is more likely to wear a mask than anyone, but you know, I have I have reached a point where especially with as I said case counts in this state going, you know, on the decline, like for instance today, I went into a convenience store and I was wasn't wearing a mask. Okay. Yeah, like I, if I, I mean that, and and that is okay. <laughs> if I'm gonna be in a place for more than ten minutes in a, like a shared indoor space, 
then that's when I'll be like, all right, I'm like, I'm still wearing it at the grocery store. I'm still wearing it at work, not in my own private office, but if I'm sharing a space with someone, then, then, then yeah. But, uh, you know, I have become less diligent about, you know, popping it on if I'm going to stop into a, a store for a couple of minutes to buy a um, nice, refreshing Diet Coke. Yeah. I think for me, like the way that I've been kind of just made aware generally of like not having worn masks all my life when I was sick or when I was around like people during cold and flu season has changed <laughs> sort of how how I think about like the germ level just in in places that I'm going and I think also just like and probably we've talked about this before but just like socially I appreciate this was very good for um, the first couple months at my school secretary front desk position just because I'm wearing a mask I don't have to like do facial expressions or be as aware of what I am doing I can just like have my mask on not great because I do talk softly so there are downsides but wearing a mask is also just like kind of well I'm out somewhere where I don't really know the people maybe impossible to say if I have allergies or something else impossible to say if the other people around me have allergies or something else I'll just wear a mask and it doesn't bother me a lot Hmm. yeah makes sense I am I'm fortunate I still have a a pretty substantial stockpile of um, N95s and KN95s and uh, I like them both they're both good masks (laughs) thumbs up for me yeah this isn't on masks but this is on the I guess why why my brain thinks that's a good idea. I have been playing more Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if the update <laughs> where we left off in my progress, but since moving, um, my friend group and I have sort of stopped in the midst of 358 over two days, which we are playing after having played Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm. And through that game and through some other stuff, I really relate a lot to the character uh, Roxas, who is like the protagonist there. Um, And we kind of, not jokingly, but like do talk about him as being um, (laughs) non-binary and autistic. Um, And and that is something I can definitely relate to. Um, And going through uh, a workplace, which weirdly is a lot of what 358 over two days is about going through a workplace Mm, (laughs) and navigating talking to people but doing doing that myself it really kind of um for me makes me think a lot about like there there are things that do not make sense to me and that I feel kind of make a lot more sense when I'm kind of viewing myself through uh like okay this is (laughs) this is something that is probably autism Hmm. and wearing a mask good because you don't have to perform as much kind of social (laughs) facial expression even even as I enjoy talking to people it just takes some of that extra burden away you know it's it's interesting because the pandemic has kind of brought that as a um as like a modifier for social interactions but it has also brought a factor which for me has been a countervailing modifier which is the video zoom call and on the video Zoom call, I personally often feel increased pressure to perform facial expressions to the point where, I don't know, like I feel sometimes like 
I don't think this is something I've done deliberately, but like in order to like emote over Zoom calls, like I have done like almost like cartoonishly broad and expressive face facial gestures or 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 just like in if I'm laughing instead of just like uh like I'll do a full facial laugh with like eyebrows raised and I'll kind of like lean back or double over or like like do a bodily response so that it reads on camera and I don't know I feel like <laughs> I feel like that is a strange thing I have noticed about myself, a strange thing that other people have commented on occasionally, uh, and something that I have also inadvertently found myself, you know, bringing to bear in real life social situations as well. Like I am now forgetting not to play to the back row, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, never been a thing for me. Oh yeah, um, but, <laughs> uh, because I, I'm often described as kind of being monotone or being expressionless, even when I am trying not to be. Um, some of my jokes don't land this for this very reason, because people don't know that I'm joking. <laughs> but I, I think that sort of maybe for some of the um, life coach things I'm doing through Zoom or at one time therapy through Zoom, that dynamic is something that I think is more challenging because Maybe if I had better Wi-Fi, this would not be an issue. But for me, it's always I, I'm dreading through my memory and through uh, the Wi-Fi connection over Zoom, having to repeat myself when I can't remember like what I have said. Mm. <laughs> that that is uh, what I dislike about the, especially when it's video, when it's virtual but through more text. That's okay because. Well, I, I guess that does eliminate the over like uh, facial expression because you, you can indicate that through text. But yeah, that that's been a real like when I, I wouldn't say a huge chunk of my socialization is through Zoom, but a chunk mm. is is through kind of video or even not video, but through like uh, voice chats or kind of different discord or phone calls even like that, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, God, I hope we don't <laughs> lose connection kind of a thing. Makes sense. Regarding Kingdom Hearts, I think on a previous episode of this show, I predicted that you would thoroughly enjoy 358 over two days and it would be a particular <laughs> favorite of yours in the series. Was I right? Was I right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we are, um, I can't remember what day we're on. We're on like day 75. I don't know what that means because <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go through <laughs> Uh, all all of these days, but yes, um, I, I only would question uh, whether it will be like my favorite, absolute favorite game so far, or if Chain of Memories will still be my favorite mm. uh, Kingdom Hearts game. But I, I so much enjoy with those two games, uh, kind of like the way that the writing and the game mechanics tie together so well the main kingdom hearts games have such good like visuals and like a visual language but the writing sort of you know we are we are dodging the disney characters kind of left and right and there's just like a tighter kind of grip on like don't let anyone do anything too interesting or too gay or let the women be people uh kind of a thing so I have very much enjoyed kind of what feel like these uh, side games that have a little more freedom. That is that is good. Um, in other video game news, I just received a new video game device in the mail today. Yeah. The what is the that? Playdate? What is that? <laughs> so the Playdate is a um, 
It's it's like a handheld. It looks kind of like a like a mini Game Boy. It is approximately the size and color of an individually wrapped Kraft American cheese slice. <laughs> Um, but it's about the thickness of an iPhone. And the kind of gimmick of it is, well, there's a few different gimmicks of it, but one of the major gimmicks of it is that one of the primary control inputs is a little crank that pops out of the side that you just crank for, uh, like, to do various different game things. It's not It's not like recharging or like a self-powering no. crank. It's, just, it's pure kind of like a bop it sort of like. This this is part of the buttons you press. Yeah, I think I think the like the main thing that a lot of people imagine is the uh, like the notion of like a fishing game. <laughs> you could play with a crank. Um, I don't know if there are any fishing games for it yet, but um, it seems like a no brainer that there should be. But yeah, it this is like this was announced a few years ago. Now it was created by a company called Panic, and one of the things that Panic is known for is they make like really high quality software for the Mac operating system for software developers. So like tools to use for software development, but also they will occasionally like veer off and do like weird side projects, like they. Started a game development studio a while back. They um and and then they made they made this like this strange little piece of hardware that yeah it's pretty cool. I haven't had much of a chance to play with it yet, but I'm very excited to to do more with it because it's just like a neat little thing and like it's it, it's priced like a like an electronic game device. It's like 170 dollars I think. So it's not like a cheap piece of tech, but it also like that price comes with what they're referring to as season one of of the games, which I think is going to be something like 20 games that are going to be delivered on a weekly schedule. So I just got the first two today and there's going to be two more a week from today and then two more a week from then. And some of them are just going to be, you know, fun little games. Like one of the ones I have today is like a little surfing game where you um, you use the crank to kind of like stabilize your guy on his surfboard. But the other one is a game where you take photos of birds and it's like a little RPG where you play as a guy who like moves to a town where everyone is obsessed with bird photography. <laughs> and they're like, you don't belong here. You're not a real bird photographer. And it's very silly. Um and you like take photos of birds and you like focus the lens with the crank. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little thing that is pocket sized and uh, just like a neat difference from like I, I really like single purpose devices, like mm-hmm. as opposed to like a cell phone, which your, your phone is just like a it's just like a magic glass rectangle that can basically do whatever an app tells it to do. Whereas this is like a purpose built single single use thingy that can only be used for like one thing, although it also has a clock on it. So it can be used for two things, I suppose. But, but I, yeah. I have two questions. Sure. Uh, do you know what like the battery life is on a Playdate? So I'm not I'm not entirely sure. What a lot of people have been reporting is that theirs have been coming to them drained of battery. Mine came and had like a 65% charge and within like an hour or two that had depleted, but then it recharged pretty quickly. Like it charged back up to full in like 15 minutes. So I don't know if that's indicative of the battery life or if that's just like a new device with a new battery kind of calibrating itself. Cause I know that the first couple times you charge and a device, it can get confused about the state of its own battery until its battery is like, all right, I know what I'm about. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a mature battery now. Yes, yes, understandable. <laughs> but yeah, I think it probably has like a two to four hour battery is my guess. Okay, and I guess the other question is, are you planning to or have you already like kind of like taken it on the go or like taken it to a different place to, to play? No, not yet. I, I just had it, uh, just got it in the mail today. Um, but I will probably take it with me maybe on the train tomorrow because I'm going into the office, so... Maybe I'll try playing it on the train. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very it's very svelte. <laughs> it's small and easily can you know fit in a bag or a pocket or, or whatever. So, 
So it should be good for that. Oh, I did have one unrelated question uh, before we get to uh, our end of end of podcast type stuff. I heard, and by heard, I mean read on Mastodon that you're thinking about getting a cat. Are you thinking about getting a cat? Oh yes, I am. I have resolved to get a cat. You're getting a cat. <laughs> I I haven't like picked out a cat yet, but I have decided to get a cat. And there there are a number of reasons for this decision. The main the main reason, and this is something that kind of feels weird to talk about, is that I eventually want to have a human child at some point. <laughs> whether that's one that I you know produce or procure. Either way, I'd like to have, I'd like to raise a, a person. And I, at present, I don't feel like I'm on that track. Like, I don't feel like I have, like, I, I have a friend I went to college with who now has like a 10 year old, but I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on my way towards like feeling confident to care for another being like that before I'm 40. So I figured, well, I, I need to make a move in that direction. And that would be to like, Start with plants, then then progress to cats, and then then perhaps to dogs, <laughs> and then perhaps to humans. That's the progression, right? Yeah, you you tell you tell this cat that you are <laughs> you are but a stepping stone to uh, your larger parenthood goals. Yeah, it feels a little cruel, doesn't it, to like instrumentalize <laughs> a cat for my own personal development? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I <laughs> you are joining uh, the the ranks of um, I as. Uh, we talked about before the reason uh, that I split up, I guess, with the first group of housemates um, that I came to Pittsburgh with is who is allergic to cats and who desperately for their uh, mental well-being need to have a cat. Mm. <laughs> but I, I think that in addition to, I guess, fulfilling sort of a skills about taking care of another living being, cats are really nice to have and have such fun personalities also they like i don't know my thing about cats is that they do want to like if you have open containers they do kind of want to stick their face or paws in it or if you have food lick it i don't love that Mm. but there's much to love about cats and um i don't know if you've grown up uh if if this will be the first cat in your life but (laughs) yeah well it's it sounds very exciting yeah i've really never had any kind of pet but my, my, one of my sisters has a cat and I have gotten to know that cat, you know, not terribly well, but I've spent a little time with the cat and my other sister has a dog that I made friends with in, during my trip to California. And yeah, I've never, I've never thought of myself as like a pet person, but I, I feel like just for a number of different reasons, it's like a good thing for me to do right now. I know a lot of people did that during the early stages of the pandemic. That was their like, oh wow, I need to adopt a pet right now, uh, time, but I am, uh, I'm slow on the uptake. So <laughs> So I'm getting to it now. So I, I don't really know what the steps are, though. Like, I'm trying to figure that out, like, whether I need to, you know, go out and buy cat-related paraphernalia first and then get a cat so that when the cat gets home, it'll be like, all right, we're all set. We got our scratching post. We got our litter box. We got our food dish, etc." Or whether it's like I, uh, you know, just start with, like, the very basics, like, just a food dish and that's it. And then then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. So, but um, <laughs> I'm hoping to I'm hoping to have these these things sorted out relatively soon. Like, I would like to have a cat in my apartment by the end of July, let's say. So probably before this episode drops. Yeah, there, there's a lot that uh, I, I'm sure, you know, you, you will be able to assemble. <laughs> um, I guess a cat is first and foremost uh, the big one. Um, have you met a lot of cats or done a lot of pet finder um, online cat dating, mm. online cat 
searching. You know, uh, j- just a little. Your, your method. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I have. I've, I've just been looking at some of the local animal shelters, and I've already had the experience of um, thinking like, "Oh, I like this cat," but then by the time I went to ask for an application, the cat was gone. So yeah, really, kind of, uh, I guess, so a sobering experience. Uh, some cats go quick. Yeah, yeah. My um, my I asked my sister for cat owner advice for first time cat owners. And her first piece of advice to me was that a cat is first and foremost a big box of sand in your house, and it is secondly an animal. So that that disputes your thing that like, oh, first and foremost is the cat. <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, it can also be my I've never um, lived with a cat, which is good because I am allergic, but I have um, done pet sitting involving cats. Um, and there's people who have done kitty litter. That's the main kind of people. Um, but there are also cat owners who do like dissolving pine chunks. I don't know what it's called, but it can be many. <laughs> it can be a box of kitty litter or it can be a box of other uh, things for your cat, um, depending on how, who you want to be. Um, yeah, I have, I've been trying to like tell people about my intention to get a cat too, so that it's not just an idle thought, but it's something that other people expect of me now. This is now me instrumentalizing other people in my personal development, not just a cat. Do you want to talk about action items? Sure. Uh, I can pull them up. Good, because I have no idea what they were. <laughs> yeah, we had two action items, and the first one was to implement a technique from David Allen's Getting Things Done. And the second one was to find information about an appliance that you use every day and how it works. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, did you do either of these? Um, yeah, I'll give myself a, a pass for both action items. I've not yet finished the Getting Things Done book, but I have the items to assemble uh, the, the tickler folder or the, the like, version that's like the 43 folders i've also seen there's like an app i can do to do digitally i've like assembled um and i have kind of i guess more organizationally um gone through one of his chapters on kind of like flow chart of like when you get new tasks to do or new items in your inbox like how you can sort them um so those kind of like organization flow type things that I am with uh, the summer and and with trying to recover from how disorganized that the microphone I so specifically set aside so I could have it for this recording tonight has vanished. I can have somewhat more of a like place for things and a flow for things. Mm. Also, one night, because I now live in an apartment complex with coin-operated laundry, as opposed to before when I was living in a rented house with freely available basement Mm. uh, washer and dryer. Um, I looked up in a panic at like 3 a.m. how uh, the tiny washers and dryers uh, work. I don't understand it, and it's too complicated and expensive for me to implement. But boy, (laughs) did I think about it, because I now live in a place uh, with coin-operated laundry. Mm. Nice. I have not literally coin operated, but I have like a a value stored card that I have to swipe for laundry. But what I end up usually doing anyway instead is I tend to go home and 
by home, I mean, I tend to go have dinner with my parents, you know, once every week or two. And I'll usually just bring my laundry to their place and do it there. And they are fine with me doing that. So I end up not paying. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I will sometimes bring my own detergent, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just use their detergent. <laughs> Um, I, so I didn't really implement anything in David Allen's getting things done, but specific, like, I mean, I have in the past and I still have, some of those are still standing from prior implementations. Some of them have fallen by the wayside, but I do love that. Like, I love that flow chart, even though it looks really, I don't know, it looks kind of goofy to me, like, like very businessy. Yes. No, that's my thing in reading. I, I mean, reading any, but reading more of his book, it's like, this is an organizational structure it can be used for evil. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, it, it'll help you organize whatever with no bearing on like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, what, what are we doing here? But yeah, it, it, it'll it work. Mm. It's a little goofy, but it'll work. Yeah, the evil thing is is something I struggle with sometimes because I feel like I am, I'm very interested in like the notion of like productivity and efficiency for their own sake. But usually when those are talked about in the culture, they are used for the sake of generating profit yeah, or for the sake of punishing workers for not being productive or efficient enough. Like one of the classic examples for me is like, whenever you go to like a drive-thru at a restaurant, they have these like um, machines that that tell them, like a computer readout. Have you ever worked in one of these situations? I don't think so. No, I have not worked in food service or retail. Yeah, nor, nor have I. But um, I know when you go through a drive-thru, there's what they call like, I think it's called OTD, which is like order to departure that like specifically measures the amount of time between the different steps of the process of like, okay, customer drives up to the ordering thingy, customer gives their order, then customer pays, customer like to, to, and I was at first, when I first learned about this, I was like fascinated by that. And I was like, oh, what a cool way to like keep track of how everything (laughs) is going. And I was thinking about that in terms of like what I like to do with like, I just like data about (laughs) myself and my like what I'm up to and my own personal productivity just as a point of interest. And then I, you know, it was only after a little bit more reflection that I realized, oh, wait a second, this is like a method of creating a really toxic system of workplace productivity that is uh, abusive towards uh, people in the food service. So that is, that is not good. But, um, but I do, I do like this flow chart because even if I don't fully implement all of um, David Allen's systems, it is kind of helpful to like look at the flow chart and see, oh yeah, these are all the things that need to be done. Every, everything that's in my massive pile of like stuff I've thought about, but haven't done anything with, with it yet. Like, oh, it is going to go to one of these seven or eight places. It is going to go either in the trash or in a reference file or in a next action or on my calendar or, and if it's not going to go any one of those places, then the place it should go is the trash. Like, <laughs> and like having that clarity of, uh, of like vision before me, even if I'm not going to implement specific steps, it's helpful to kind of like get my bearings in the chaos. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, um, I think it's helpful because I find myself stalling out in the, like, what do I do kind of stage of things. Um, so having a system, even even one that can be used for evil, um, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I think, I think, like, one of the best things in that book uh, is the notion of if a task is going to take less than two minutes, um, then you're encouraged just short circuit the entire flow chart. Just do it right now. <laughs> because if it's if it's really going to take less than two minutes, then why would you spend another second thinking about it? And yeah. I don't always hold myself to that, but it is helpful to like remind myself of it. Yes, I did bookmark because uh, I thought it was funny. There's the like, will it take less than two minutes part of the flow chart? And if yes, it's do it. And if no, it's delegate it 
or defer it um, and do it, delegate it, defer it. They, they all start with D, mm. so they're, they're 3Ds, like uh, 3DS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like um, later game in the Kingdom Hearts series, Dream Drop Distance, mm. which was available on the 3DS. Yeah, this this is one of the areas where the um, the original version of the flowchart from the older edition of the book that you mentioned to me that you're reading based on my recommendation uh, is better than the new one because like the new one replaces the word do with execute. Oh. No. <laughs> no, hey, right, exactly. That's gross. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, and there's other, like, weird verbiage changes. Then, yeah, then your acronym, then it's just ED. It's not 3DS. It's just E-D-D, ED. Well, I, I don't remember whether the other ones were also replaced. Oh, okay. they, they may have been, but I, I, I just... Regardless. <laughs> anyhow. You've, yes, I, I have a strong uh, now, <laughs> be, because uh, I got the older edition on your recommendation, now... Sight unseen, uh, it is the best edition. Mm. But as, as for the appliance thing, I have not, I did not do that, but I did something kind of adjacent to it, which is so I have um, in my apartment, I have smart light bulbs, which are to sit like they're light bulbs that can connect to a device that controls them, turns them on, turns them off, changes their color, changes their brightness. So I will do things like, you know, r- right now, for instance, I could say, hey Siri, turn off all the lights in my bedroom. That happened. <laughs> You'll just have to take my word for it. I, I believe you. Wow. Okay. But yeah, in, in any case, I um I did a little bit of tinkering with that system <laughs> to come up with like alternative lighting schemes for different tasks. Nice. And I came up with a different lighting scheme for Zoom calls where the foreground is lit. Like, because I, I have two different lights, I have one that's like right on my desk where I am. Like it's like a regular soft off white light, um, but the background is like a soft purple light. So it like it really pops. It like really looks good in my opinion. So uh, yeah, this, this is th- like the equivalent of putting like a, a little suit and tie and, and top hat on your kind of room for every occasion. Uh, you know, like where there's a change into work clothes when you're doing work things, change into work lights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I um I was quite pleased with that. Um, that is not really the same as like learning how an appliance works, but it is filling with an appliance to do a thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I've just now through our course of recording, uh, I think settle settled down and become less self conscious. But now you've reminded me or introduced to me that uh, Siri is the sort of un, unseen third uh, <laughs> participant here, <laughs> uh, and I'm back uh, to heightened heightened awareness. Yeah, she's always listening. <laughs> yeah. Do you have action items that you'd like to propose? Let's do an action item. Um, for me, the, the goal here is I have a journal that I'm so close to being done with, mm-hmm. like the pages uh, finishing it, and I really want to do that. So my action item will be to write in a journal at least one time for at least 20 minutes. My action item will be to write in a book that is not a journal. Um, so like write in the margins of a book. I know some people are opposed to doing that, but I am not one of them. Okay. You can write whatever you want. I don't I don't care. It's all good. All right. So as we do at the end of every episode, I'm going to mention the fact that we have a Twitter, which is SDW, it's at SDW underscore pod. And I remembered this time without even having to check it. Nice. Nice. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, we're getting more polished. Um, and I will end this episode the way we end every episode which is by staying distant and by going the distance